Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hanfler and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, but oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a very quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review AEW Dynamite, and it's fair to say, Sidge, a rather eventful episode. Very eventful, and when I dip my toes online, very divisive as well. I, no one could pin down one way or the other whether or this, whether or not this was a really good show. Um, I couldn't either. Uneven is probably the word. Um, look, there are elements of the show that I thought were fantastic. There were elements of the show that I think were really underrated in a booking department. So I'm going to be nice about it. And I understand that the general pulse of the AW fandom, several of those who listen to this podcast, don't like it when we're a little bit down on the product. I get it. I get it as well. well we always say we hold it to a higher yeah, standard. Yeah, there is that. But at the end of the day, if you are going to say, got a, an announcement, guys, we're going to introduce a new title to AEW, and instantly, on my couch, I sit up and go, what? (laughs) What is an all-Atlantic title? Why do we need another men's singles title in all elite wrestling? This, again, it all stems from the core issue of the greedy, aggressive recruitment policy. Um, 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 um. Let's sign all of them. <laughs> sign this up. is an all-time ASMR one already with your rubbing and your sort of like... Um, 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 <laughs> isolated sounds for people when they go to bed on the night. Um, 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 <laughs> He's already dirty, sexy Cedric with a cold. It's already got that like Phoebe singing yeah, voice. Husky, yeah, yeah. So he's gone. He's Quick word from our sponsors. So we've got a ridiculously stacked roster that has several problems spawning from it. The pacing of the show, convoluted programs where they seem to exist, not because there's a believable grudge and a believable story, but because you've got so much talent that you need to sort of shoehorn them in. These problems are multifarious, right? Another byproduct of having too many wrestlers is that you think, right, 
So many wrestlers have got little to do. And the longer they go without pursuing an actual established prestigious title, you kind of have to go through your Rolodex of grudges and tropes with which to make grudge programs. And then you get the redundant schmoz beatdowns, etc., 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 which have kind of plagued this show, even at its best, for quite some time. So what do you do? You look for answers, right? Because it, come, it becomes more and more ridiculous that this person hasn't been in the title picture for this long. And at the same time, it's like, right, okay, well, if they've not been in the title picture, we can't book them to win that often. Because if we booked, say, for example, Miro or Malachi Black on a six-match win streak, we really want to do something with them because they're enormously talented, or Keith Lee. Oh, that means that they are going to be up the rankings and that creates a problem because you don't really want to beat anyone. So you get all of these problems. The All-Atlantic... I don't even know what it's called yet. What is it called? (laughs) (laughs) The All-Atlantic title is just a thing that devalues championships that is expressly designed to give people something to do. You don't give... You give people jobs to do. You don't give them titles to win. It just devalues the prestige of championships. Like, uh, just... And the worst thing is as well... Is like I obviously still want a trios championship. Oh yeah. But the more championships you add, even the best possible one feels like one too many. So I don't like this championship, but I did really like lots of elements to the show. Yeah, I I, I, I described this Scott Tailford of the What Culture Gaming podcast, which is available wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, is what is going to be watching Dynamite, I believe, tomorrow. He's trying to avoid all the spoilers from it, but he still asks us often, what was Dynamite like? And I said, well, the main event was sensational. I said, and the show, in summary, was, to use your phrase, all over the place. All over. Because, like, I completely agree. Ups and downs has never been truer than right now for AEW Dynamite. So I was... I appreciate that segue is a free plug, right? So I was writing ups and downs to the website today in the absence of Andy Murray while he's on vacation. And Vicky. what I noticed... <laughs> was, what I noticed was I was giving more things up than I expected. So it didn't initially speak to my f- like first run experience of the show, but I was watching things back through, just like collect my notes and stuff. And I, devi- I can never think of a more divisive episode than this. And I'm not surprised about the divisive conversation on it because with maybe one or two exceptions, they bailed, like... Like universally bad, and the main event universally great. All the bad had good, and all the good yes. had bad. So when something was broadly pretty great, there was still something like, eh. and then when something was quite rubbish, there was this like little desert rose, like a glimmer, yeah, yeah, like buried within it. The title thing, it's it's bad enough. Everything the subject that put us put across there, it's bad enough. The situation we find ourselves in with all these belts and the growing number of them, the longer they don't do something with Ring of Honor, especially. But even when those belts are gone now, you're still left with probably too many within AEW. 17 months before they introduced a secondary singles title, and now you, like, can't go, like, 17 hours seemingly without at least a new belt appearing on screen, even if it's not an AEW one, is that the belts replace the need for, like, really good long-term stories. There are two or three segments within the show where your your brain was, like, just asked to think about long-term ramifications, maybe stuff that's been going on a long time. I'll use an example now, but we'll talk about it more. Christian Cage and Jungle Boy, right? A little moment between the two where this has been going on long enough and you've been we, you've been informed week after week after week to remain on the hook for this. Yes. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And you, the company's done it enough time to know that you're going to get rewarded too. Uh, but belts replace the need for that because what will happen is it's just like, you want a title fight next week, you can have one. Or you win three matches and you can, but that's it. 
So it's like a one-month cycle instead of a... And there has to be a mix of the both. There does, there does have to be a healthy mix of these one-month stories and these six-month stories. But there will be so many more of the one-month ones because the belts will create a need for it. And ideally, like it's all like two space out of the tube now, but you kind of don't create the need for the belts in the first place. And we're, we're all, I, I don't know what the answer to that is. Maybe it will feel less overwhelming when the Ring of Honor belts are gone, but I think that's been a lot of people's like easy answer. Don't worry about it right now because soon the Ring of Honor belts will be gone. What are we in June? Like you bought the company in March and it's it's not happened yet. So the long I, I, I'm feeling that that's not as valid as it once was. You know, um, Battle of the Belts will be coming up. And like, they're not longer s- than double or nothing. <laughs> they're, they're, not, they're not spoiled for choice of titles to use, and yet it still feels like what they'll do is the three that go on that show will kind of like tacitly tell you, yeah, these ones don't matter. So like this week, I'm like Excalibur, Battle of the Belt, the FTW title, the All Atlantic title, in ROH Television title. We got Jonathan Gresham out, <laughs> out of the wardrobe. He's fighting for the bail. <laughs> like it's just sort of. Like, those ones, you will then be informed, these don't matter. Like, Mercedes Martinez, remember, she's got a belt. She's fighting for it. I actually had just forgotten. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, just, like, it encourages you kind of to make these jokes at the promotion's expense, which is never a a good thing. Uh, And, yeah, like, that, I think that belt felt like the one unanimously, like, disappointing moment from a show where people were disagreeing and everything else. And just quickly on that as well, because it's probably, might as well cover that at the top. feels like a top story versus anything we can recap during the show. Um, It's just, there was people sort of saying, look, it's probably going to be really great for like, defend like the promotions relationships with other companies and maybe it'll feature as part of New Japan stories more often and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I like, fantastic. A political arrangement has been made between wrestling promoters. Yeah. As a fan, like, like, tell me how, like, as an analyst, all right, I'll talk about that here in our professional capacity, but as a fan, why should I care about that? And why did nobody around the table think about that when it was being devised? Well, audiences care, not one bit. Yeah, but we're mates. So what, what about what about our business meetings? Mm. Like, what about, what about our sort of director's box? It's just, it's not our job as fans. It's our job as, like, people in the media yeah. report it and talk about it, but not to... Not to care about it as a prize. Not to buy into the narrative of it. Yeah, exactly. That's a really great point. A really great point. You know what? This uh, belt might make its way onto a progress show. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's an AEW fan, primarily. You know, like, people can't be expected to care about this, particularly since I'm not just body in progress. Even though it's quite... F- like, nah, you know, I don't want to body them. But, like, they don't do a good enough job. And again... It's always, I just, I'm always preempting counter arguments from dickheads yeah. or, or from well meaning people who don't realize that I can't write a novel in 280 words. Right? Mm. I'm not um, Hemingway, <laughs> right? He was write, very good at that. I'm not. You can write a book in 120,000, though, which yeah, is the I was on, which is about this company. Indeed, it's but called both, Beco- should, both should be valid. <laughs> it's called Becoming All Elite The Rise of AEW, and you can purchase it right now on Amazon. But I'm not Hemingway, so I do have to preempt counter arguments. Um, Lost a complete train of thought. What's it talking progress. about? Progress. Yeah. The belt being used in progress. Yeah, they don't, do, they don't do a good enough job. And again, the counter-argument I'm preempting is people saying, thick, are you? No, no, no. But it would help, I think, to do a little video package because we've had earnest, well-meaning people saying, can I have a little primer on New Japan? We know that you really love the, the, yeah. the Halcyon days of it, which are kind of over at this point, but it doesn't matter because Forbidden Door's still going to rule. What matches would you go to? Um, would you recommend that I sort of go through, just get a flavor of the promotion and some of the stars who I am gathering are going to appear at Forbidden Door? There are people, well-meaning, who 
do this sort of thing. If, in fact, the All-Atlantic Pacific, All-Atlantic title <laughs> is going to be defended in, you know, another country for a smaller promotion, great. People won't know who the wrestlers are. Hmm. Well, they might not know, and they could at least have, if nothing else, it's, look who we've got. It's Will Ospreay. He has a minute of what he can do. That's, it, look at it. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing yes. stuff. He's a... He's a phenomenal athlete. He's supernatural. Play that like a minute after he appears because the whole, there's, it's redundant, but we'll get into it. What is redundant about Will Ospreay's appearance? There's good stuff on this show here. Isn't there's it? some really <laughs> great stuff <laughs> on this show. We will get into it. Yeah, let's start at the beginning of the show then with the uh, the Casino Battle Royal uh, to determine. I can actually recommend by name, right? I don't want to do it on a public forum, but send me a DM, right? I can recommend you by name, right? Wrestling podcasts that will curry favor with fans of the certain promotions they cover so as to not upset anyone mm-hmm. as part of their business model. Yep. If you want the names of those podcasts because you want a nicer time that doesn't drill too far into criticisms of a promotion, I will DM you them. But then don't reveal those. Don't DMs. listen to them. Yeah, don't listen to them. Well, don't listen to them. You'd be wasting time. <laughs> Anyway, let's get into this Casino Battle Royale. It was determined who would face John Moxley to see who would head to Forbidden Door uh, to fight for the interim AEW World Championship. Um, so we started out with the, the standard Battle Royale, uh, four groups of five, and then the... What was the extra person called? The Joker, baby. Thanks very much. Uh, started off with Tony Nese and his tiny knees. That counts as one wrestler. Uh, Lance Archer, Daniel Garcia, Darby Allen, and Eddie Kingston. Uh, Eddie Kingston, understandably, starts brawling with Daniel Garcia at the bell and Darby Allen uh, and Lance Archer fight out to the floor and Allen hits him with one of those mad suicide missile dive things through the ropes and then starts getting into it with Kingston. Then we get Ricky Starks, Jake Hager, Ray Phoenix, Swerve Strickland, and Keith Lee, Swerve and Lee work together once they get in there. Uh, Smart Mark Sterling hopped up on the apron at one point when Swerve was out there and tried to use that to eliminate Swerve. Um, but Tony Nese got eliminated by Keith Lee, and then Keith Lee took out Archer, chucking him. Well, he didn't chuck him, actually. He used his legs, didn't he, to hoy him over the top rope, which was a nice spot. Then we got John Silver, Takeshita. Kanosuke Takeshita. Thank you, Sam. I'm going to get his name right eventually. You're already getting it right, sir. Max Caster and the guns, um, and we get the the rap, and there was a nice thing you may have seen, there was, there was notes left under certain seats in, were they Kansas City they were in? Yeah. Uh, I think so. In the arena. Uh, from Independent in the shadow of Kansas City. <laughs> that was there what Jim Ross said, I think. From Colton Gunn, there was notes saying, please don't chant ass boys. And then, of course, what That's does Anthony good. Bowens do? Leads everyone in an ass boys chant. Um, they don't go to commercial when we come back. Um, the final group of five that come in are uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, Dante Martin, and a returning Wheeler Utah, who, as they probably pointed out on commentary, has presumably just got straight off the plane and straight into a wrestling ring uh, off the back of the best of the Super Juniors in New Japan. Um, there's a scissor in the ring, so that allows Ray Phoenix to eliminate Caster. Uh, Lee eliminates both of Gun Club, and then Swerve takes out his own partner, to eliminate Lee, who is he's not best pleased about all this. And then the uh, the final person in the show... The Joker, baby. Uh, ...was Andrade El Idolo, fresh off his honeymoon. And uh, in the midst of all this... Should be fresh? <laughs> <laughs> I 
Hobbs eliminates Silver, Kingston eliminates Garcia, Hager eliminates Kingston, but I think they sort of missed this because it was in the midst. It was the Yeah, they had to recap it later because I think they got a bollocking. There's <laughs> <laughs> a bit, um, your man from Parks and Rec there, wasn't it? John Raphael. <laughs> he is the worst. He gets to do that in the Sonic film once, you know. So you Does get, he? You get, you get Sonic, like, as Sonic, oh. but then he just, like, he was talking about, like, Dr. Robotnik is the worst. <laughs> Magic. Anyway, uh, Hager gets eliminated by Utah, and Hobbs and Starks eliminate Takeshita, and then Dante Martin, but Phoenix eliminates Starks. Then Darby Allen and Swerve make this weird team that work together against Andrade, but Red Dragon are a team in there as well, so they cut them off. Uh, Darby Allen eliminates Bobby Fish, but then Swerve again double crosses his partner, eliminates Darby Allen, uh, but then immediately gets eliminated by Andrade. Anyway, Andrade and Phoenix, surprise, surprise, do a brilliant little back and forth between the two of them, and uh, Hobbs tries to eliminate Phoenix in amongst all this, but Utah uses that chance to get rid of Hobbs. So the final four are Phoenix, Andrade, Kyle O'Reilly, and Wheeler, Utah. It's O'Reilly and Utah uh, after O'Reilly says, let's do this together, Andrade. It's Utah and O'Reilly, Phoenix and Andrade, and Andrade's like, right, enough of this this flippy nonsense. I'm just going to... Hold you as hard as I can in the bollocks, which yeah um, does slow him down somewhat. <laughs> and uh, it was in midair, and it was just a great spot. Um, O'Reilly uh, then eliminates Andrade. That's after obviously Andrade has eliminated Ray Phoenix off the back of that. It's O'Reilly and Utah. They're brawling. The crowd clearly want Wheeler Utah to win. They're fighting on the apron. Uh, but O'Reilly manages to get back in the ring and hit a dragon screw through the ropes and get rid of Wheeler Utah. Kyle O'Reilly advances to the main event to face John Moxley. Um, and John Moxley cuts a promo backstage, pacing, angry, furious as he often is, uh, talking about he's going to be going to Forbidden Door. It's a three years in the making result, this. This entire sport belongs to him. Um but you made a very good point on social media, but I'm sure the mega fans will forgive me for bringing this up, that Kyle O'Reilly has got a bit of a, a bit of a legacy now in these sorts of matches. Yes, I think he's 2-0 in Battle Royals, which is genuinely a really incredible, impressive, albeit kayfabe statistic. I love specialists. Mm. Sportsmen, athletes, sportswomen, whatever. They have specialists like cups or competitions or courses or courts or like grounds. Like Rafa Nadal plays good on clay. That's yeah, all that's all. All time call from Mr. Perfect of all people when Sean won his second rumble going, How does he do it, McMahon? And you're like, Right, I need to watch Sean Mike because every time he went, enters Royal yeah. Rumble, just in case. Brilliant. And yeah. Kyle O'Reilly is yeah. obviously not as good as that. <laughs> now that you mentioned it, it's not quite the same as that. Um, but no, it's a really, really nice little because he just needed someone yes. who could work a great match with Moxley. Who's won a few recently that are in recent memory? Can eat a loss. Can eat a loss. Um, See, so yeah, I thought it was ultimately like that's why Khan's in the job he is. It's not just the billions of dollars, <laughs> <laughs> but it's because he kind of knows what he's doing. Uh, this was a sort of emblematic, though, of every battle royal in terms of just lots of stuff happening. And then it, when you get down to the, if we get down to brass tacks, it gets really good in the end. Yeah, do you know, like, I enjoyed most of this. I was entertained by nearly all of this match. And what I, I think entertained. what was... Entertained. What was most encouraging for me... Was it what the... Entertained. Yes. Yeah. At the, at the core of all of the recent chaos uh, within this company, like, is what we all like about All Elite Wrestling. There was a bunch of, uh, like, mini stories being told throughout this Battle Royal, even though the, the result, obviously, 
only comes down to mattering in the final few minutes. Of course it does. But that wasn't to say they were going to waste the proceeding. Because this was longish, wasn't it? For another, yeah. like 20-odd 20, 20 minutes, something. So for like, maybe down the last sort of two or three minutes, yeah, you're going to think, right, who's actually going to win this? You're going to do elimination teasers, all that sort of thing. But the other 20 minutes were spent, having been given a few days to think about this Battle Royal, about like smaller stories, either a few things... Uh, like I guess, which I hadn't picked up, like Kyle O'Reilly as a, as a sort of specialist in this field, but uh, Eddie Kingston like warring with the Jericho Appreciation Society. So he starts and he just wants to fight Donny Garcia. Hager hits the ring and it's Hager who eliminates him. So Kingston's entire purpose in this match theoretically should be to fight his best mate to get an interim title shot, but really he's been swallowed up by this internal battle that he's having. In the meantime, you've got Swerve who is really focused, eyes on the prize, and is willing to eliminate Keith Lee. And then this becomes this little, ah, there's a bit of a tease. And then you sort of forget about it and then he does it again. So it's not just Swerve and Keith Lee, it's Swerve wants this. Swerve now, you kind of like, you've learned something about him as a character that isn't just like at Swerve's house. It's not all talk. He's about to like put into action his desires and his aspirations to be a, be a player in AW. So that's pretty cool. And there was a ton of little details like that peppered throughout this that I'm not a fan still of the Casino Battle Royale format. I genuinely believe they could tell the identical stories in a normal, everybody starts in the ring at the same time battle royal. But I continue to be impressed with how we come away from these matches thinking, oh, that was nice, that was nice, that was nice, that was nice. It's still it's still the best promotion in pro wrestling for the very small things it inserts into matches like this. And that was, like, I came away feeling better about AEW than I have, like, out of sort of other theoretically bigger matches over the past few weeks. I had the exact same thought emerging from watching this um, Battle Royale. It was so good in part. Like, there was still the obvious pratfalls where it's like, where have you been for the past five there minutes? There was a weird production botch, wasn't there, where they would have it was it Swerve and Archer had to get the in, and they held up, like, the countdown, because then he, there was... It was yeah, Keith they, Lee. They flashed up the Dark Order thing, didn't it was they? It Keith yeah. Lee and Archer, and they were about to have their showdown, and they'd start to count down, and then they realised, no, we want to actually capture this yes, one, so yeah, we'll yeah. delay it. Um... So apart from the obvious pratfalls where it's like, ah, oh, you must have been doing nothing for five minutes because you've <laughs> magically reappeared on my screen to resume your sort of fight within a fight. JK, I can't be that bothered about the Blackpool Combat Club because it's taken them another five minutes to get at Kingston. He was just leisurely prodding at someone in the, in the corner. corner yeah. that's, so it's all, like, that's the thing. The Battle Royale is absolutely 100% imperfect, but you can do very good versions of them nonetheless. And this was a very good version of them. So the action was tremendous. Like, um, my heart went in my mouth when Darby Allen, because he's so rapid, um, sprinted across the rope. And, like, it was, like, in a flash where Swerve got the rope and he went over. I was like, oh, that's an mm. incredible spot. There was some genuinely great action. Um, Phoenix was... That arm drag thing that Phoenix does into the stomp is just incredible. Like, there was loads of really cool moments. Oh, the bit... Sorry to interrupt, but it's just... You've, you've been trying to do it for two minutes. I'll let you do it now. The bit where uh, Phoenix goes to kick... Uh, who was he went to kick? Oh, Ricky Starks. And he ducks him and then does his pose. I just yes. love that <laughs> spot. There was loads of nice, really nice little moments here. Um, I was gripped throughout. Uh, it's a bad one to do during... It's a bad one to do to an extent on television because it, when it all slows down... Like, it's uh, on Royal Rumble Live on pay-per-view, it already slows down to wait for the next entrance. So when you compound that with an advert where, let's not do anything, it just ruins the flow, the sense of, oh, they're not really fighting, they're just waiting for the queue to come back to TV. So there's obviously loads of things wrong with this match on this medium as well. But generally, what I really loved about it, 
I knew I was expecting a TV-level challenger that under any other circumstances he could think, right, obviously the champion's going to retain the, the belt here, but I'm happy enough about the dynamic and I believe in the performers that I'm willing to suspend my disbelief. That's the perfect TV challenger match. And then they were like, five. Instantly in the first club. I didn't see Serpentico. We were taking the piss. Yeah. And Serpentico's gone on dark, don't we? <laughs> so I didn't see Serpentico or Luther or like Fuego or just like, you know, the bodies. I thought, that's five TV world title contenders. And then another five came. So usually my only issue realistically with this match, other than the ones I've just addressed, was the gun club bit. Like, uh, just not in this match. It's a world title match. I want everyone, even if they're like, if it's an entire field of upper mid-card talent, again, fine for the level of um, quasi-contender match this is, but just don't do things just because wrestling does them. That's a big problem that AEW has, where I think they just assume that because wrestling is a certain way and has been for so many years, that they should just do it. And they do this too often. I just think, you know, you've got the chance to legitimately change the world. That was like one of your early MOs. There are comedy spots in the Rumble. There are kind of goobers in the Rumble. Like, don't do the Rumble. If you're going to do the Rumble, do the format. Don't do the tropes. Yeah. I just didn't need to see them three dicking around when it's like a proper world title. Yeah. I think there was a real opportunity here to do the upper mid-card 1992 Royal Rumble on television. And they almost got there. Um, but I just... Don't do that. I've said it before. I'll say it again. A casino has a roulette wheel. It's really easy. And you don't have to bring five people out at the same time. You can do the... Oh, number that's 16. A, that's good, and it's a very clever marketing differentiation from the Royal Rumble, which you f- ex- I know they did it on pay-per-view, but you still think that they are a little bit reluctant to do it. One, in case... Like, anyone can do a cage match. But like, just maybe they're a little bit nervy about following those rules just because the the discourse and yeah. the toxicity. And I get it. Like my system would they mean They it. do money in the bank, essentially. Yeah. So just do the yeah. frigging rumble. Yeah. It, 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 my system doesn't really work there because then you'd probably have to put a minimum of a minute between each one, and that's already 20, 25 minutes, especially on TV, for example. But I don't know. I've said this from the beginning. It just It's better. It's got better. Mm-hmm. Like, at least now they don't just all walk out and you go, who's that, who's that, who's that, and who's yeah. that? They do slightly staggered. Everyone gets a, their name read out, et cetera, et cetera. But... But yeah, I, I agree in terms of... I'm going to be a hypocrite, by the way, later on, because I'm going to say, well, why wasn't this person and this person in it? But in terms of our concerns, like you say, about it being, say, 10 con- or 5 contenders and then 15 lads just yeah. in there so Stone Cold can chuck them out, basically. But the- just to extend that thought as well, like this match, as Hamlet says, like it did make me feel better about the whole process in a way because you're watching all of these upper mid-carders and you're thinking... Actually, I would take you in this main event. I would take you, I would take you, I would take you. That must mean, therefore, you've been booked pretty well. You've been yeah. booked credibly. You've been booked, made to look strong. And then you see the various interactions with Swerve and Darby and various other little permutations, like with Darby and Kyle O'Reilly, and you think, maybe it's not just really convoluted for the sake, and this sort of thing allows them to play with even the, like the, the history in the recent past. Um, uh, this storyline kind of makes sense. Tell you what doesn't. Right, just now that I've put it over, why isn't Trent battering Wheeler Utah? What happened with that? Should he not be a little bit pissed off and think, I'm going to show yourself, I'm going to show you something. And to be honest, I need to show myself something because mm. I feel rejected. Trent should be battering Wheeler Utah in seven months' time. 
You, you, it was fantastic. By yes, he was class. Like it's they've found they've like they've elevated Willie Eater about six different ways, and he's risen to the challenge of every single one of them. Like returning star comes back and immediately presented as a big effing deal. Like and the idea that he knows that the, the end result is more punishment off his now friend John Moxley is like it's it's really easy to get in his head of being like. I think I can beat him this time. Yeah. So give me that one match and I'll, I'll do it this time. Before we move on, it's a battle royal there's lots to talk about. Yeah, I yeah, did yeah. love the Wheeler-Yuta uh, Wheeler thing. Uh, I'll tell you what was awesome about it as well. It follows on the heels of last week, MGF getting over as a face by burying the AEW booking and recruitment process by saying things like, um, ex-WWE guys get more respect than I do, who pretty much built this company on my back, et cetera, et cetera. And there were people worried that people were going to then turn on the promotion mm-hmm. for um, prioritizing ex-WWE hires. And I know an ex-WWE hire won, but think of it from a character perspective, who shone, yes. it was allowed to shine in this battle royal more than like loads and loads yeah. and loads of ex-WWE guys. And it was Wheeler Yuta. We then got an update on uh, CM Punk, a rather vague update. Thankfully, he had successful surgery on his lower leg. Funny, because uh, Max Caster said he napped his foot. So, like, in his promo, in his rap, it was like, uh, whatever it was he said about CM Punk's foot. Mm. So it's just like, it's out there. It's out. It's out. It's out. But it's just good to hear he's had successful surgery. Wish him well in his recovery. And From uh, stage divinitis. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And then they said, we've got a new title. <laughs> And I thought, cool trios. And then, yes, of course, the uh, All-Atlantic Championship was revealed. uh, And it was going to be decided who the first champion was, the inaugural champ. It's going to be a fatal four. It's going to be a four-way at Forbidden Door. uh, And the qualifiers are uh, Buddy Matthews versus Pat, which is just about to happen. Ethan Page from uh, Canada versus Miro from Bulgaria. Penta Scuro from Mexico versus Malaco Black from Janelange. And, <laughs> and a New Japan exclusive match, which I, ass- I assume is going to go down at Dominion. It would make sense, presumably. Yeah, I've not 
read, any, read anything to that effect, but they need to get a move on. Yes. AEW's <laughs> doing all this stuff, and New Japan's like, take your time. They can never book ahead because that would theoretically spoil like, yeah. the result from. So if it's not a Dominion match, it'll be a show on something they might call Road to Forbidden Door or something like that, like one of the or the, one of the strong shows after the fact. Yeah. So I think that's why that's there at the moment as just a little graphic. What's going on there, the Dominion Wikipedia? It would make sense to put it on now. I think so. It's like that you've got two matches then that have got these implications. Yeah. And theoretically... Like the smart move would surely be to have somebody kick the forbidden door down from the other way, wouldn't it? And have somebody from AEW make an appearance and generate a bit of buzz. So what, you, what you got, Sid? Well, what you we know got? how the you know the format for Major New Japan show loads of uh, multi man tags. Four years on from arguably the best pay per view in wrestling history. What you got? Well, <laughs> well, 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 I'm going through and I'm obviously going. There's loads of like six man tag teams and eight man tag team stuff um, in the undercard. Traditional fair. Um, so we go to our first singles match because obviously a six-man tag can't be a qualifier in a singles match for the uh, the All Atlantic title. So the first, so the first singles match, which theoretically they could slap this step on. Yeah, uh, Toru Yano versus Doc Gallows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking the piss. I'm gonna watch the hell out of that. Yeah, that'd be, that'd absolutely be great. piss funny. Then another six-man, another t- uh, IWGP Tag Team Championship match. Um, I want the United Empire to win that. Then we've got Tanahashi Goto. Obviously, we know that's for the interim AW World Title match. Um, then you've got Shingo versus Taichi. I would want Shingo in a singles match. I think it'd be stupid if they don't. Amazing qualifier match. for something like this, though. Like Oof, putting Shingo, Pack, and Malachi Black in the same goddamn match, yeah. though, would be absolutely awesome. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, maybe. And th- that is for the. Um, Provisional King of Pro Wrestling 2022 trophy. Yeah. So I don't know if they would like mix and match those things. It could be no never overweight championship Tamatonga Carl Anderson. God damn it. Um and then you've got more title matches. So Shingo in this four way is I'm feeling good about that. Shingo, uh, Miro, Pack and Black. Oh my god. Oh my, oh my god. Cedric did the rubbing noise again. Different kind of rub. <laughs> right. Anyway, let's Henry get to Jack. the let's get to the match. It was uh, the Ashes. It's Australia versus England, and unsurprisingly, yeah, football came home. Uh, sorry, um, Pac won. Uh, Pac will be representing uh, United Kingdom in this All Atlantic Championship four way. Yeah. Uh, really, he's got it in the money. Yeah, a little bit. Like, did he celebrate the Jubilee? I was just going to say. I think it's because there's been so much flag shagging this last couple of weeks. You just did that, and I thought, enough, enough. Who's <laughs> shagging one? <laughs> Who me? You were shagging a flag. I wasn't shagging a flag. He lives a bit like Sean Michaels in Montreal. Bouncing <laughs> <laughs> off fucking thing. Hey. <laughs> um, back and forth stuff between these two b- brilliantly evenly matched guys, of course. Uh, early on, Pac sends Buddy Matthews to the outside with a running hurricane run and takes us to break. When we come back, Pac... Oh, no, sorry. Whilst, that's Pac, whilst that break's going on, Pac sent Matthews over the timekeeper's table and uh, Buddy fought back to drop Pac on the apron with a back suplex. We come back from the break, though. Pac spikes in with a DDT. Uh, Buddy fights back, rising knee, but gets hit with a German suplex followed by a lariat. Both of them are down at that point. Um... Pack staggers Matthews on the top turn worker with a Gamangiri. Um, Matthews fight back, fights back and hits him with a Liger bomb. That gets a two count. Um, Matthews goes for a, a thrust kick in the ropes, but Pack blocks it and hit a brutal looking poison rana to fire back. And then Pack climbs up top and hits a black arrow for the one, two, three. It's coming home. 
Aye. Love this. <laughs> love this, but like, how can you not? I love, right, that these two have, they've normalised the insane, but in the best possible way, by which I mean, you're not so much bored by it as you may, like, personally for me, right, my experience is no longer watching this with like a shock and a gasp because I'm waiting for what counter they've got in the locker. Yeah. It's the more they set up, the more you realise what they're capable of. It sort of feels like how the the double or nothing House of Black Death Triangle Trios match was a sequel to that total ripper they had <coughs> on the Revolution pre-show. That one is a, ah, God! This time around, it was like, well, I know they can do that, so like, let's see how they get out of this one, and let's see how I get this one. Like, I know it's sometimes not the most popular thing to talk about sequences because it all makes it feel a little bit more of a dance than a fight, but I just love watching these two's sequences. The Mirror Man aesthetic is, is perfect. You yeah. know, you know, it, I can't think of a better one in pro Got wrestling right body. now. <laughs> yeah, like, I can't think of a better one in pro wrestling than these two right now. And yeah, something like a Poison Rana, like you're watching it and you're thinking, yeah, he could absolutely kill him with this. But your doubt is, or maybe Buddy Matthews has got that figured out and he's going to like clasp onto his leg or something like that. And when you have that for the entire body of a match of this quality, it's just it's just a thrill. You're never not like at a seven or an eight in terms of your anticipation and your excitement. Loved it. Yeah, this is class. I would put it more in the high threes than the plus four star level. Don't know if it was something about the pacing, but I was expecting, you know, there's just a feeling where like you just want to like lose your mind. I got in the main event where it's like yeah. I'm hollering in my living room. I never quite got that out of that match, out of this match, in truth, but some of the work was absolutely tremendous. I thought two men had died twice throughout. So that's <laughs> always a plus in my book, like the Liger bomb and that spike, like avalanche spike run was just, it was absolutely disgusting. Like in the best possible yeah. way, like, my God, they look like I'll death. I'll Shane McMahon. Like, oh, sick, sick. <laughs> the Mirror Man stuff, again, was tremendous. There was just something about... I don't want to say laborious in the setup, but it didn't have that breakneck, my mind is being scrambled as I watch this thrill. Lacked a bit of snap. Well, that all a snap. A bit of flow. A bit of flow. Just a bit of, I call it the exponential growth chart. You know, we've seen them living this pandemic life as we do. Seen this? Heard about this? <laughs> when you see it go like, zoop, it's like, oh, it's a bad thing. But in wrestling, it's a great thing. Mm -hmm. It's like the young books of like excitement, excitement, just constantly builds. There were bits where I was like, they were building and then they were on the ropes a little bit long and then all the rest of it. So it didn't have that effect on me, but it was still absolutely class. Um, the only thing other than, come on, go off the ropes, that I had an issue with here was um, it's just a tonal shift from the stakes to what the stakes are now. Mm. So it's like, we're going to dress up like it's Halloween. We're going to emerge from the shadows. We're going to corrupt you with the mist. That is a metaphor for poison. We're going to blind you. We're going to send you to the darkness, to the gates of hell. We're going to get out this, um, this tombstone because it's going to denote that we are going to kill you live at the pay-per-view to Vandaloo, Vandaloo, Vandaloo. It's like that works both national way. pride. It works both ways, though, doesn't it? Straight from the bowels of hell, we come to claim the All Atlantic title. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The two things don't really marry up, do they? So it's really, really bizarre how it's evolved from what they were kind of feuding about, which we kind of just ignored because <laughs> it was a bit lame, and you know, like the wrestle, the wrestle, <laughs> to like national pride. Yeah, that national pride. Do you know for that, for that, Lizzie? And <laughs> uh, what would? Buddy Matthews sound like if he was denoting, like trying to connote national pride. Doing it for the bloody Fosters, mate. So, 
Foster's. Why would All country reduced to crap lager. Foster's is Australian for lager. I thought they wouldn't get a Castlemaine Forex or anything else. <laughs> Castlemaine Forex. Doing it for bloody name, mate. You're going to take us off telly, are you? <laughs> <laughs> take us off the fucking air. <laughs> Do you know what was, I thought it was nice as well? I can't remember the last time I watched Pat hit a black arrow. Mm. It's been ages. I was like, oh, you know, I've seen him sell for it loads. Oh, we, get, we got edged. Yeah. Uh, Julia Hart, double or nothing, didn't we? Yeah. No, I know you did, Wilbur. <laughs> right, Eddie Kingston's backstage fighting with, with fighting with producers. I felt a bit sorry for the producer. It's been like, sorry, Eddie, I'm really sorry. We're really tight on time for this show. And he's like, I'll do what I want. <laughs> I'll tell when the truck went to do it. And he calls out JK. He wants to fight him on uh, uh, Rampage. I know it's the most minor thing, right? And this is a tiny little thing that just sets up a Rampage match. I'm head over heels in love. Right? Do you hear that, listeners? I'm head over heels in love with this thing in AW, right? It's a promotion I love when it's the best. Eddie Kingston's absolute <coughs> disdain for television wrestling and its trappings. Yeah, TV. It's, <laughs> yeah, I, I just adore it. He knows he has to do it. He knows the world he's in. He never wants to be part of it. Not only does it work wonderfully in contrast to the people he's feuding with in the JAS, but it's just so him. Yeah. It's, like, ah, it's, it's fake bollocks. Mm. I have to do it a certain amount of time. Do I? Well, no, I don't because then I'm faking it. He is the preeminent genius of professional wrestling, not named MGF, and the idea that they might not actually feud. I hadn't really thought about that until now. Makes me very sad. Mm. Uh, right, Trent. I'm going to tweet that. So forgive me later, mega fans, because that's a really, <laughs> really good one, that. Uh, Trent Barrett is in the ring. Uh, he's sad because today is supposed to be uh, National Best Friends Day, and his friends aren't here. And uh, you know He's in chaos. He's in best friends. So, you know, just uh, Zoom them. <laughs> You've got enough mates. You're in, like, three factions. Send You're in two d- factions in a tag team? Send them a DM, and maybe he's got a couple of letters once in a while, and it'll make a bit more fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't try to be drill. <laughs> or, or, or... A 19-year-old on Instagram? <laughs> anyway, uh, he talks about the, the title match that Rapongi Vice had with FTR fighting for the Ring of Honor tag titles. Uh, and says that despite his partner, despite the fact his partner's not here right now, um, you know, he he wants another shot at it. And he called out FTR despite, you know, what happened with the interference and what have you. And FTR come out and Cash says, you know, we agree. We didn't win or, or lose that match either. And we'd, we'd happily, you know, like to, to fight again. We're fighting champions. Uh, and uh, Dax says, yeah, it's, we, you know, we're all annoyed at, I think he called them Osprey's bitch boys, which is the, which summoned Will Osprey. That's <laughs> what, yeah, those are the three words that bring him out, apparently, because Will Osprey arrived in AEW. He invaded, I suppose, technically. He makes his entrance out on the ramp. Um, and before uh, FTR or Trent could do anything about that, they are jumped from behind from other members of the United Empire, uh, Ozzy Open and Aaron Hanare. Uh, they attack, they beat them up. Ozzy Open uh, hit their double team thing on Trent, and then Osprey hits him with the hidden blade, and they stand and pose to end the segment. What a surprise this was, Hamlet. Yeah, it was a surprise in that we, <laughs> we wouldn't have seen it coming, but I don't know how much of a good one it was. Um, there's a lot to this. Like, AEW are kind of reaping what they're sowing in terms of surprise appearances. Um, a definite flatter reaction. I know these are all subjective, like, feelings and emotions and takes when you look online and stuff like that, but a flatter response to an objectively big name from New Japan arriving because we have been bombarded with surprises for months. 
dare I say, if you listen to this podcast, you would already be aware of that, and this would have been foretold. You know, like, the, there is there is a problem with doing so many surprises where not all of them are hits. When you have a wild card Wednesday and neither of the... That joker, baby. Are that exciting? <laughs> like, that is telling you that there's too many of these, right? Welcome to my world. Pointing you inspected to catch So, like, it's just... Osprey turns up, former IWGP champion, a massive, massive star of, like, New Japan, and relatively well-known, like, I don't, I don't like him. I think he's a gurning buffoon. I can't stand up. Awesome pro wrestler, right? Awesome pro wrestler. I've just not particularly wanted to watch his matches for the last few years. He's a very unpleasant man. Yeah, deeply so. Deeply, deeply so. But has to feature in the context of Forbidden Door, right? I just think it would be a bigger story if they kind of hadn't abused... The, the trope these last few months. The boy it, who cried surprise. Yeah, it's, it has made me, we pitched Okada yesterday, right, for the moment. It has made me realise that I think he's the only moment. I'm not suggesting this is going to, like, degrade the quality of Forbidden Door as a show. I think there's going to be tons of novelty to all the various matches once you see them coming together. You could certainly feel one coming together on this show. I'm going to complain about how we have to arrive at that match when we get to it. But, like, when the idea of Okada's opponent was pitched and all that, it was like, yes, won it, give me the show. <coughs> and same with Moxley and Tanahashi. Saw that in the crowd, yeah, the fans' right. reaction. There's definitely a couple, but I, I, think that's, I think that was why this felt a little bit more diluted than perhaps it should have done. Uh, the Rampage match will surely bang. Why on earth, ahead of Forbidden Door, when you've booked the venue and you've promoted the show... Would you waste this device on W. Morrissey, Big Demo, and Johnny Elite? That not being funny, right? I think that all three men range in my opinion of them. Not that it matters, but from like respectable comeback story to really squandered talent <laughs> to I don't like you very much, but you've got an audience, and clearly that should probably be utilized on some level. So what I'm about to say might scan as harsh, right? But W. Morrissey, Johnny Elite, and Big Demo, they, if I saw them, right, I don't know what it's like in America, so this might just be a very specific thing. But you're walking through, you're not particularly glamorous town that you work or live in, right? And you can see loads of, like, um, flyers. Or you go to the pub in the city center, you say, a flyer for, like, local wrestling show, former WWF stars. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> the promoters still, you know, in the past, it's like... Johnny South Shields Wrestling. You know, <laughs> but Johnny yeah. Morrison. Big ass. Killian Dane, you'd think. Ah, that's, that's about right. Yeah. And not people you'd think, no. ah, that's about right. Not on AEW television. And I know they weren't contracted. They knew their roles. And Tony Khan knew their roles. But don't put them in those roles when you've got... <coughs> you need to preserve the idea that this is meant to be a surprise. This doesn't happen very often, therefore I'm surprised. Baron Wilborn came in, dyed his hair pink. <laughs> I go, Jesus Christ, Yeah, that's a surprise, right? If he came with a different coloured, like, dye job every single week, I'd think, all right, showing off, showing off now. <laughs> showing off now. Um, but another issue with this, it's, like, it's not as if, look, Will Ospreay, I'd rather, he was kind of tucked away in the mid-card, so I don't have to emotionally invest in a big match and I'll be inadvertently wowed by what he does in the ring because he's just a magician in there and I'm incapable of not feeling things for how good his work is. I don't like the guy at all. Never root for the guy. Try not to watch the guy unless it's a massive match that gets really acclaimed, if I'm being honest. And I've got my own reasons for that that I'm not going to say on audio. But like this... So FTR have a match with Rapongi Vice for the ROH title, which builds to a convoluted 
thing for AEWX New Japan Forbidden Door. Rapongi Vice, FTR, United Empire. Will Ospreay is here and he's beaten them both teams. This is get people on the card stuff. And it's not particular. it's not a good storyline at all. So I don't think that helped the reaction. That one bit. We talked about this a bit in the office. Should he be on the next TV show? Pissing and moaning that year. Title match was ruined. Why would you wait two, wait two weeks or three weeks? Because Osprey's not ready yet. It's, it's a bit naff. Yeah. Oh, I, I totally contrived that as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I'm only mentioning this because I feel like it's relevant to a segment coming up. And I'll explain why then. Dax Harwood tweeting, lol, with um, evidence of the last six weeks of the tag rankings that he's obviously kept screenshots to with the dates attached, where FTR are number one in the tag ranks. Which is obviously going to, you know, there's a segment later on Christian. You take it up with Christian, <laughs> yeah, but uh, that and that's what FTR are doing. It's yet more like there might be a bit of banter. Like FTR seem extremely happy where they are, but it's yet more fairly public dragging of the company and its and its gears and its functions and things like that. And it's when you pair it with this, and there's a there's a bit of the Hangman Page promo that I want ident- to like isolate as well. It's it's just too much of mm. questioning the credibility of the organization, like top down. And I just think it's it shows itself. If you if you watch and you care enough to go beyond and we say this like about oh, I was in the road to, in the road to, like this is a product for super invested people if you wish to be yeah, super yeah. invested. Like you don't want to super invest and then like find out oh, why am I actually going this deep? Because they haven't and I, I don't know. Like maybe maybe sort of Forbidden Door doesn't count, I guess. Maybe you can put FTR in a multi-man match instead of a tag title match because it's Forbidden Door. It's a special exhibition of two pro wrestling companies. But ah, faking it. I'll tell you what I didn't like on this, on this, in this segment. Before I guess I forget to mention it later on. Is them saying we're going to hear from? Uh, don't get me wrong, I love both of them, Wardlow and Trent. We're going to hear from Wardlow later on, and we're going to hear from Trent Beretta in a minute. And they didn't mention whilst they were doing all this stuff about Wardlow's coming later. By the way, we've got the world title. The world title could change hands tonight. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like that they had a segment, and uh, no, this would have, we'd have buried this as well if they'd have done this. It wasn't like they had a segment with like, we hear from Thunder Rosa later, and then she gets interrupted by Marine Shafir, and she's like, you know what, you've pissed me off so much, tonight, match, title. That happened, that was like, earlier on, this happened, and now we've got the match. Not a mention of it, it was just a bottom, little graphic in the bottom, mm. and then when it got to the women's, Section. The, the corner of the show. They were like, here it is, right, okay, um, uh, here's what happened earlier. We didn't mention it for the first hour and a half of this show, <laughs> but um, now there's a world title match. The world title could change hands. You know the world title that we didn't mention a single second of, you know, on last week's <laughs> show after the bloody pay-per-view, and uh, and then some other stuff with, like, Jade and people like that. It really infuriated me, that, but I just wanted to mention that here. It is, it's, the, we joked about this a few weeks ago when it felt like an accident. It is, all, like, the women's section thing, ladies' corner. In all elite wrestling, that's happening all the time. Yeah, like the Jade Cargill stuff coming so close. An hour and a half into the show, it's time for the ladies yeah, section. It's one thing about the match, but it's quite another when you've got like the interview interruptions and the, if if like it's a Cargill week, then you get Thunder Rosa the other side of that, and it's like that's that's even worse, I, I think, know. than just the core hours part, isn't it? Anyway, Kyle O'Reilly's backstage. Uh, William Regal's there getting interviewed. Um, Regal puts him over, but he has got some uh, harsh, well, no, uh, ominous, let's say, words for him ahead of the main event. He says. Uh, um, look, we've worked together before. I've taught you many things, but this is it's John Moxley you're dealing with. You've got to think about your wife. Think about your friends. Are you going to miss them? Um, and it's going to be really hard for me to sit on commentary whilst we, I watch you. I think the phrase was, get your head cracked open. Uh, and Carl, he walks off, and Carl's just fuming at this point. He's like, 
Sing about my wife and my friends. I do that every single time I step between those ropes. I've got these wins over uh, Ray Phoenix, over Darby Allen, over Jungle Boy. I'm here to fight the best and fight for the title. And get what? Guess what? I get to do both of those things tonight. I can't believe how in love I am with William Regal and all elite wrestling. I wanted Pete McPickle to get the spreadsheet back out here. I was like, let's get the order. Where's the right war? Oh, look Did at the last. say Collie Wobbles in the main event, by the way? Probably. I hope so. Yeah. I, really <laughs> I thought I said something else for a while. Um, I love William Regal and all elite wrestling. He was very rarely funny in NXT. Like, very rarely, but like, very little was. In general, <laughs> yeah, he was always this two point zero. Now they're on. They're on <laughs> he's always this very morose, serious guy, and he's just a, a literal joy. It was good that he had gravitas and authority in NXT because so few WWE general managers do. But he's just so great in AEW in general. It's just been such a wonderful time. You can tell he's having a great time. Yeah, absolutely. He's just back to being WCW WWF <laughs> Regal. It's like when I interviewed him, I had. Well, 10, 15, 20 questions. I like to think I'm relatively prepared for these sorts of things. And the first five minutes, you know, I normally get you open with a, you know, his little softball, nice, easy, like, how much are you looking forward to Sunday? And normally they go, yep, can't wait, Sunday, pay-per-view, make sure you buy it on these, blah, blah, blah. And you go, cool, right, okay, first question's this. Five minutes of him going, I, I don't think I'm really putting over just how much I want to see Chris Jericho get his <laughs> head caved in. It's like, it, you know, it must be the magical powers of William Regal at present, because... Like I caught myself, and luckily I stopped myself just in time. But just for a split second, when he like, he didn't even really sow the seeds. The seeds just appeared to sprout up from the conversation. Like William Regal forcing something out of Kyle O'Reilly that maybe hasn't been there for a while. I was like, ooh, a bit of dissension between O'Reilly and Cole. I might want to watch it. Whoa, whoa, stop there. I don't want to watch that. Yeah. Like I kind of caught myself just in time, but just for a split second, I was <laughs> like, it's not, it's not the worst thing. Like Kyle O'Reilly's become like a form player again. Such a wild scene to see this group of people. I know this is why they did it, but yeah. this group of people yeah. in front of the AEW logo, like WWE has changed drastically mm -hmm. since 2019. For the worse. Uh, right, and Adam so Cole. Drab in it. <laughs> WWE. Adam Cole. So boring. Joint commentary uh, for the next match, which was Hangman Page versus, oh, he loved her fight, David Finlay. Um, and uh, they, they back and forth stuff early on. Um, Page knocks Finley down to the floor and takes him out with a tope suicida. There's a little sip of beer at ringside. Mm, not sure about that. Uh, so, um, say when we go to break, uh, we I've got a theory. I'll let you know when I when we're press stop. Okay. Okay. Uh, Page starts his comeback uh, after the break. Fall away slam, plancher to the floor, suplex gets him a two count, goes for the dead eye, uh, but Finley counters it into a backbreaker for a two count. Uh, he goes for a crossbody, Page catches it, but then Finley cradles Page, and that gets him a near fall as well. In the end, Page flips out of a German, hits him with a clothesline, and knocks him down with a buckshot lariat for the one, two, three. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about everything here and we can talk about it all at once. Post-match, Paige gets on the mic and says, look, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff I want to say. Uh, you know, I still want to fight for this AW World Championship, but clearly that's not looking like I'm going to get a shot at it any time soon. And he said, but there's, there's more than one world title in professional wrestling. And so at Forbidden Door, he wants to fight for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. He wants Kazuchika Okada, and the crowd are loving this. And Cole leaps up from the commentary desk and gives the whole, whoa, 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 wait a second. It's not that simple. First of all, you're assuming that Okada is going to be champion by Forbidden Door, not my best friend, Jay White. And... Unlike you, I'm a champion. I won the Owen Hart Cup, and I think I deserve a shot at the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. That's what I should. That's why I should be getting the shot, and that isn't cowboy shiz. That's a promise. Boom. 
end of segment. Who wants to take this first? I'll go... I'll divide my thoughts between the match and the post-match. So the fight... Uh, right there, three stars. <laughs> Was that tree, Irish? Tree. tree. Tree stars. A gentleman's tree. Gentleman's <laughs> tree for the fight. No, seriously, it was like it was solid, well yeah. worked. Yeah. Um, again, some nice little primer on David Finley could have been appropriate here because let's face it, he's not one of the biggest New Japan guys <coughs> that people associate. Yeah, the Road Two did a good job of this, but if you didn't watch that, yeah, uh, I'm not getting into that. I'm not getting into no. that at all because I tried to watch the Road Two, but it's slipping out of my rotation, and the shit went out on dynamite. Um, the post match made me very scared. <coughs> That, one, I don't need to see Paige and Cole wrestle again. This post-match hinted towards that happening. Yep. Two, the um, the name drop of Jay White made me think, oh, my God. I mean, yeah. But not, 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 like not the good, not like, oh, my God. That Jay White's going to cost Hangman Page in the Page-Cole match that is designed to build towards the IWGP title. And it's going to be Cole, Accorder, then a grudge match, Paige J. White. Oh my God. No, just give us Paige Accorder. Give me Paige Accorder. I don't think Adam Cole's work warrants the Accorder match. Yes, the K Faber record and all the rest of it probably does at this point. He's won the own. I don't care. I don't think it's going to be good enough. Um, I want to see Paige Accorder. I think it's, it's especially pertinent that you do actual. And I know people do perceive Adam Cole as a top tier. AEW superstar, right? A lot of people also don't. I want, especially in light of the fact that Punk Tanahashi isn't happening. I honestly think Mox Tanahashi could be just as good, and Mox is my favorite wrestler at the minute. But still, proper marquee, first show. You only get one shot. We saw this with Battle of the Belts. You only get one shot yeah. to really establish the prestige of a new show. Um, I don't think Cole Carter is it at all, and this was a terrifying threat that they are going with it. So I didn't like this either, but for completely different reasons. <laughs> so I, it's going to be the edge of it. The so surely can't say, I want a carder, get that pop, and then not give it. Yeah, right. So surely. I, so I think we're getting Pedro Carter, right? I think I'm certain of it. But what I didn't like was, and Sidge made this point, like the words that I couldn't find actually, like just because wrestling does it, don't do it. And the recent example I could think of was- I thought uh, I got a lot of you. I don't know. Sean Spears versus... We talk a lot about yeah. it. Sean Spears versus Big Damo. So I'm prepping for a big guy. Don't sell me on Sean Spears versus Wardle in the cage. I've seen, I've seen this story. I know what happens. And it's good. I want it to happen. Don't patronize me with 10 wasted minutes on Rampage plus whatever you need to build it on Dynamite, right? Because it's pointless. It is pointless. Everybody watching knows better, right? And I just thought that... I, I see like a mini tournament here. I thought this was a cute way to sell this Jay White Okada match for New Japan's benefit, like on an AEW yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's happening. Um... And Paige Cole happens just to happen because we're getting Paige Okada. It's like, Paige has earned the match with Okada because he's beat him. It's like, he's got it anyway. Like, that thing you were saying yesterday about, like, Dave Meltzer's retraction. Like, this feels like sort of, eh, it might not be happening. And then it does happen. Eh, it's happening. Like, we've had it with Mox and Tanahashi. Now we're getting it again with Paige and Okada. Like, just don't do the thing. Just, just like, keep it simple, stupid. Just say, like, hang on, Paige wants Okada. Okada beats Jay White in this pit. Like, have Adam Cole do the... Uh, what are you assuming that? Jay White's, you know, it's Bullet Club, he could win. He doesn't win. And then I'm calls like, Ooh. And they then you're doing all Bullet Club trios. Yeah. With Jay White and whoever's still in it. Versus, <laughs> versus uh, Cole and the Bucks and Red Dragon. Yeah. Like, they, I, I, ten man. The, I think the Page Cole match is going to happen. 
I wish it wasn't because it's an inconvenience because I feel like I know what this is well, all for. <laughs> try and be terrified that Page of God isn't happening. Yeah, that might like build a, the drama, yeah, I guess. Yeah. The thing I wanted to talk about was Hangman Page's promo, right? There, there was two like big takeaways I took from this. And because it's Hangman Page and because it's AEW, I want to take things away from it because for like two and a half to three years, they told a story with a billion little things that were then woven into a wonderful like story of Tapestry. Hangman Page winning the title, right? I thought his, well, apparently I'm not involved in the uh, title scene. I thought it was really interesting. I didn't, I didn't do that little battle royal. I thought that was really interesting. And for the second week in a row, a very, very, very prominent AEW original has been a bit like, oh, what's going on? I'm not pitching that Adam Page and MJF are going to invade AW, the AEW original, the AEW frontline versus the main event mafia. Like, it's not a TNA. This is not where this is going. Does that make Hangman Page our truth? That's yet another reason why I'm not suggesting this is some sort of stable thing. It did make me wonder if they're trying to let that idea breathe. You know, like the MJF and Hangman Page don't even know that somehow they have found themselves on a similar page. They're the Spider-Man with, meme. With, yeah, like, the, like they don't even really realise. But I just thought that was... I don't think that was... I, for, I don't think that was for nothing because... I've wanted to believe all this time that all the other little details aren't for nothing. That little battle royal was I'm such glad a, it was acknowledged at least. Was such a derisory like Wardlow touched on it in a very oh, you know, don't we're get gonna, me started. We're gonna get to that. Like again, the the bad within the good, right? We're gonna like but I just thought that was worth noting that Paige was so dismissive of the battle royal and well, it doesn't like I can get back in the title picture for some reason. Like that's a pretty hefty complaint to level at Tony Khan mm. without calling him an effing mark. And I just I don't know. I, th- I think there's something to that. Yeah, win, 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 win. One loss, right? That's it. You're yeah. out of the title. But yeah, good point. Um, this is the bit that I mentioned earlier um, with uh, Thunder Rosa suddenly issuing an open challenge. Hey, at least she's on the show um, to anyone in AEW. And Marina Shafir walks in and, and Thunder Rosa says, Have you got a problem? And she says, um, You can solve this problem. <coughs> the match is set for later on. Uh, and then we got this interview with Wardlow. So bad. It was rubbish, wasn't it? AEW's women's division is so bad. Yeah. Uh, and not not through not through the fault of the women that are in it, just the no. way it's been booked. Uh, right, then we got this Wardlow segment where one half, that's like, oh, you, oh, oh my god, and one half I was like, oh my god, because <laughs> Tony Schiavone brings out Wardlow, gets a big old, big entrance. Welcome to Wardlow's world, he says, uh, and he says he tries to justify why he wasn't in the battle royal tonight with the dumbest explanation I've ever heard. He said he wasn't in the Casino Battle Royale earlier because CM Punk is AEW's champion, and if he's not beating him, he doesn't want to face anyone. He doesn't want to in it yet, you know. And uh, he moved on to talk about the TNT Championship, but before I, before I talk about that, that is the worst excuse I've ever heard because what do you get if you become interim champion? An automatic shot at the champion when he comes back. Yeah, he's not in the Battle Royal because his boss is a slightly unfocused lunatic at the moment. Yeah. That's why he's not in the Battle Royal. And like all that did was highlight, uh, you really overthought this entire situation. Yep. It made more problems than it was worth. Anyway, uh, but there is a title that he does want. Uh, it's one that's got prestige, uh, but one that is, this prestige has been slightly diminished recently by, by recent holders. He wants the TNT Championship, and out comes Scorpio Sky. He's dressed like an uh, ice cream salesman for some reason, um, <laughs> but he's limping out to the ring. Uh, but before he can get in there, Ethan Page run down and stop him, and uh, Wardlow says, look, I don't care. 
uh, if you, if well, I do care actually. If you're injured, I will wait till you're till you're good and ready. But I want to fight you for that TNT Championship. And then, amongst all this, we cut backstage to Mark Sterling, flanked by security in a neck brace, of course. And he says, you know, after what you did last week, you've got two options. You can face me in a court of law, and I've not not you're talking to you, love. Um, I thought it was I thought he was going to say, or face me in a ring, and I was like, don't do this, Mark. But instead, he came out with a genius other option. He can wrestle, Michael Sidgwick. Twenty members of security next week. I'm not going to fall into the trap. I'm not going to fall into the trap. This is preview fodder, right? Okay. Right. So I'm, I'm going to save all my thoughts on this to the preview. Did you like it at least? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Twenty guys. All you had to do, and this is one of the rare occasions on which you could actually do this, was ignore the elephant in the room and just direct the attention from the elephant to the really good thing in the room, which is salvaging the TNT title picture, which everyone pretty much universally, unanimously hates. Don't even mention the world title. Don't mention that you weren't in the Battle Royal. If people have those questions... They will forget they had those questions when they get the new cool thing in their head of, oh my God, the TNT, TNT title is saved, and I like Wardlow even more than I did for promising to save it. That's the ultimate issue. Just ignore the elephant in the room when you actually for once can. I really like that. Yeah, just I want to fight for the TNT title. Also, he's only just become part of AEW, so technically you could say, well, actually his record only starts from when he's been signed. No, yeah, they've already carried it over. Uh, yeah, I, I know that, but you could... Um, I I'm, I'm clutching at straws here. That would have been... Yeah, I didn't realise that. Otherwise, that would have been a, a better solution to the problem. I loved... Babyfaces won't let you down in AEW, and Wardlow's an awesome babyface. And, like, he's the second wrestler to do the old, uh, I want to take the TNT title back to the legs of Mr. Perfect and Shawn Michaels. Yeah, I know. So, like, we don't want any more of that. Like, he's actually going to do it. Like, he's going to be, he's going to win this title because he said he's going to. He's Wardlow. He's awesome. He's going to rip through Scorpio Sky and he's basically going to rip up the last few months of TV and hold it for ages and, pick, and we're going to love it. And the, and again, the good within the bad, this is why AEW is still great because I can say that with such assurances, like that, that is going to happen. Scorpio Sky is going to get crushed. It's going to feel great. And nobody is going to be able to get that belt off Wardlow for ages. Wardlow might hold that title all the way to when he's the number one contender to the world title. And you might get your Hogan Warrior two belts face off. He's that cool and that ready. It's brilliant. Like he's the exact person to save us all from this mess that they've gotten into with the belt. But his world title excuse was weak. Uh, yeah, it was rubbish. But loads of that's been rubbish to create this situation for him. But again, to prevent, to prevent more balance, oh my God, Wardlow versus 20 people. 20 guys. <laughs> we'll preview it all on the Dynamite preview. Thanks for saving us there, Sige. Uh Right, then we get the Young Bucks. They are um, sat in a hotel room or something. Uh, they've left the door open, very careless. Uh, talking all about their amazing week last week. They beat the Tag Champs and they beat the Lucha Bros. We're back, baby, and we want our titles back. And in Walk the Hardys, and Matt Hardy says, well... I couldn't over, help but overhear you say uh, you won all these matches. Well, we beat you, so maybe we should be, you know, fighting for the titles. And then Jurassic Express walk in. Uh, couldn't help overhear you guys talking. <laughs> and Christian says that these titles they, they've got to be earned. You know, I know you beat, I know you pinned Jungle Boy, but you know when the titles on the line, it's a lot different. And he says, why don't we settle this in a match that we made famous? And the young book says, us? And they go, no, not you. Matt, me and Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy <laughs> made famous. Uh, it's going to be a ladder match next. Next week is bonkers. Again, preview fodder. Next week's show is absolute road rage. Bonkers. Ever said ladder, 20 people, all that stuff. We are straying from the path of yes. uh, the god of 
sports-oriented storytelling <laughs> very, very much next week. Uh, but a little hint of Jungle Boy being a bit like, sorry, what are we doing? Yeah, he's getting a bit thick, so that's actually good mm. that he's starting to go, hang on, take you, actually. <laughs> this was hilarious because they knew exactly what they were doing with this, and it was, like, genuinely fun. Again, if you're going, I'd rather, oh, we do this thing, that's bad, isn't it funny? Just don't do the bad thing. That's my take on it. Yes. Always, this is an incredibly funny and like it's almost like a comedy of errors of how convoluted it was. Like it was fast. It was a fast, yes. funny thing that I guarantee Matt and Nick pitched. Yeah, so people are taking the piss out of this. So let's really just do it. It's, it's a BTE skip on Dynamite almost. Um, I'm going to be kind to this, right? They are Tony Khan is making funny and ah, uh, you got me sense of something that's not particularly great. We've mentioned the FTR thing, as Hamlet's pointed out. The whole, we need to get as many of the stars we are paying good money for. We need to get the value out of them. We need to keep them happy. So let's get them all on this show and on this card and in this program or whatever. It's kind of reaching parody. This acknowledged itself as parody, so therefore it was funny. But within the bodies, bodies, stars, 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 stars on your screen all the time, they've got me with this Christian Cage offering <laughs> two teams out at a time actual thread so i don't think it started at revolution they've won separate matches but christian cage is like onto something here he just wants to test jungle boy he just wants to prod him he just <laughs> wants to test him. Are you good enough for my tutelage so he's just throwing out three ways <laughs> left right and center and like negging him when he almost loses and it's it's a great way of balancing all these stars all the stacked tag team division and trying to further the Christian Cage Jungle Boy thing at the same time. Now, Hamflat, I know you liked a particular a particular line. Cage and Jungle Boy were a total riot, and Cage being like, he lost in front of his family. To <laughs> <a> stupid <laughs> loser! Like, there's one of these every week at this point. To the point where when Jungle Boy's like, Wah! like it's about time. Like that sort of response was overdue. They were a total riot here, uh, and it was again the good within the bad because a lot of this is rubbish. This is probably not the week after that ginormous bruise hung heavy in the diddy of Cody Rhodes to be like. You're doing what to Jeff Hardy? Oh, and nah, like, and nah, and probably nah. not the week for that, uh, because uh, like wrestlers going to wrestle, all that sort of stuff. Um, but when Sidhu was talking about, you got to get value out of these guys. I was thinking about you, well, not Jeff. I was thinking about your car analogy again. It's like buying, like you know, when your kids get old, like kids get old, you might want to buy them like a second-hand car or something. But second-hand Corsa isn't one of the doors falling off. Yeah, but like it still drives. Has it got a steering wheel? Now she's a pedals and hope for the best. That's like Jeff Hardy at this point. He's arrived with some of the bits missing. But like CM Punk saying, "Do the wheels fall off?" It's like every little bit is going to fall off the <laughs> car before I sell it back on. Uh, then we got the uh, women's world title match. Thunder Rosa versus Marina Shafir. Um, Shafir gets the advantage before we go to a break with a snap suplex. Um, when we come back, though, Rosa fires back up. Uh, she hits knees. She hits a Northern Knights suplex. That gets a two count. She hits a Death Valley driver. Gets another two count off the back of that. But then Shafir fights back. She catches a kick. She lifts Rosa up. But Rosa reverses it into a cradle. One, two, three. Thunder Rosa retains the AEW Women's World title. Post-match, though, as Rosa is standing, posing with the belt, Shafir kicks her from behind, attacks her, and puts her in the ingredient submission, I believe it's called. Um, and she's just wrenching on it. Uh, so much so she doesn't see Tony Storm running down to make the save. She attacks her, gets her off Rosa. Rosa recovers and manages to hit uh, Shafir with a modified pile driver. And as Storm and Rosa stand tall, Tony Storm teases 
potential future ramifications as she picks up the world title and then has to hand it to Rosa and she snatches it off her and they exchange a little look. NXT, 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 NXT. Pathetic. So I thought this match was bad. Super hard hitting in that way that wrestlers have to fight to make fans care and it's all a waste of time and bumps. Exponentially better than Marina Shafir's match with Jade Cargill. I know I ain't seen much, but it was exponentially better than that. Um, in terms of her getting like high-profile opportunities to like show what she can offer to the division, um, but they were never really stood a chance, and that's why I don't think the fans gave them one. I, I honestly thought some of the work was okay, but you would never ever know from the way that this was presented. And yep, Tony Storm and Thund- make Thunder Rose defend the belt every week. Cody Rhodes TNT title run. That's the answer. Like, there's always a different answer because there's always a different problem with the women's division. Yeah. What but, time of the show would you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> definitely last quarter hour. Um, but all the quarter hour before they're the proper men, the proper wrestling. Get the men out. Get the bloody men out. You have to wait 10 minutes for the men. <laughs> <laughs> a little countdown clock. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> they should put that. The re- effectively, it's already there. The real wrestling show countdown clock. Like, yeah, Thunder Rosa, Maker, Cody's TNT Tweet title that. Run. It's a good tweet. Uh, Some people might miss it. Yeah, they might think, they might Because I really like, who, who is this hideous misogynist, Adam Wilborn? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, let's just go back to see any podcast. What's he said about Maurice, hypothetically? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I, it's them got a chance, but Thunder Rose is so great. Yeah. Like, what I would do now with this Tony Storm is rather than waiting 16 weeks for the payoff, <laughs> have the match next Wednesday. Like, just woman's title. Like, Tony Storm wants it. They have a really competitive match. Tony Storm loses, <laughs> and then Thunder Rose is, like, building up these wins. And do you think, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That was such a great spirited showing in defeat. I like her more, yes. if anything. Character stuff. Yes. Yeah. I thought very little of this match. Um, luckily for the Yanks, a lot of what happened during the commercial, which I had to watch because I watched it on Fight, like they were legitimately like guiding each other into various like grappling holds, and it was embarrassing. The stuff after the break was decent. You'll never guess what followed the women's match. Women backstage. <laughs> uh, Jade Cargill's there with the baddies and Stokely Hathaway. Can I count him as one of the baddies? Yeah. He's a baddie in my heart. Anyway, um, and uh, Stokely Hathaway talks about the fact that Red Velvet's going to go one-on-one with Chris Statlander on Rampage, which we will, of course, preview on Friday. Um, but uh, according to Jade, nobody can mind their own damn business. Um, you know, we, we had an issue with Athena, we addressed it, but no, people have got to interfere. Um, and uh, he says, who can beat Red Velvet? And I thought, Jade can, I've watched her. <laughs> and Statlander, I'm fairly certain, that's beautiful. But anyway, doesn't matter. Um, we are getting Red Velvet versus Chris Statlander. Tony, good to... Yeah, nice, yeah, little, yeah. nice little moment there. Anything you want to say about this? Three days is better than three segments in terms of a notice period for a woman's match, I guess. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, right, main event time to determine who goes to Forbidden Door to challenge for the interim AEW World title against the winner of uh, Tanahashi and Goto at Dominion this weekend. It was John Moxley versus Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, Moxley controls early on, as he should, because Kyle O'Reilly's already a bit bad from earlier on. Uh, breaks, his, breaks his fingers, a bit like um, Butch would. Uh, they trade strikes <laughs> in the centre of the ring. And then I think that was just a microcosm of things to come. I'm just like, what if we just really batter each other in this. Um, O'Reilly, O'Reilly catches Moxley's leg over the ropes and dragon screws him. Um, hits a uh, diving knee drop whilst Moxley's all cut up in there. That looked great as well to take us to a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, Moxley hits a uh, sort of butterfly suplex off the top, uh, fires up, 
puts in some more strikes, eventually gets him in the cross-face chicken wing. Oh, my God. Oh, my... Not, oh, no, my God. Just just the, the fear, because, you know, now I know, you know, young me thinks ropes is made from the thing you climb up in, in gym class, right? Not, you know, the, the really... It's really hard, the ropes, even just hit them, hence why they get bruised under their arms when they've not done it for a while. So Moxie puts him in this cross-face chicken wing, and the only way that O'Reilly can get to the ropes is by out biting on him. Oh, my God. So Moxie oh kicks God. it. So I was like, oh, cool. So Kyle Riley's lost all of his teeth then? <laughs> um, thankfully, he hadn't, uh, but that looked a, a brutal spot. And Moxie's bleeding as well at this point from his nose, I think. And he hits a huge lariat for a near fall off the back of that. Uh, he gets him in that place to hit that hammer and el- anvil elbows. But O'Reilly says, enough of that. It's my turn now. Hits him with cross-face strikes and elbows. Uh, Moxie striking him again. O'Reilly fights back. Uh, Moxie hits an, an RKO, a jumping car, uh, basically. He goes for that Gotch-style pile driver, but O'Reilly gets him in a triangle oh sleeper. Oh, my God, a reversal. He <laughs> uh, puts him in a heel hook, and uh, Moxie thinks, what, what can I do to get out of this hold? I know, punch him as hard as I can. This huge right hand from Moxley breaks that up. Uh, eventually, Moxley does manage to hit that Gotch-style pile driver. That gets a two count. Then they just... <laughs> Open hand bombs, strike each other as hard as they possibly can. O'Reilly hits the Saito suplex, and Moxley goes, That's good, that. I'll show you, you can do it better. Does it to him instead. They're both just out on their feet. They're just hitting each other with lariats and what have you. And Moxley eventually puts him in a sleeper, transitions, bulldog choke, uh, and eventually hits the regal knee and the paradigm shift for the one, two, three. Oh my God. Oh my God, goddamn it. That was absolutely going nuts. You know me, right? Late 30s in September, officially entering the late 30s. We're all in the 30s. Yeah. yeah. Short, Headlight. white. 30s. <laughs> Short, white, weak. I felt like a jock watching this. <laughs> like, I was like, my blood was pumping. It was like the gym. I, I usually watch wrestling. Like, you know when the cry laugh emoji kids, like, going <laughs> into their phones, but they're actually just going... Yeah, because <laughs> they're not actually laughing because they're <laughs> devoid of souls and banter and all the rest of it. Usually, I watch wrestling like I'm sitting down and watch it. Even when it's really, really good, I'll go. What? <laughs> Rarely do I physically emote and gesticulate. <laughs> Get in. <laughs> I was during this match. There was something about it. Yeah. just the physicality, the intensity. It just uh, tweeted this to mega fans. Will have to forgive me. It just captured that combat sports of someone is probably going to get knocked out and the drama of this is just absolutely incredible i've seen a million like cocks out puff chest strong style i'm not going to sell this or i've got so much adrenaline flowing through me that i'm just going to withstand it the very it's such a limited palette of body language so when someone like ishii is so amazing at it every single time I will still pop for it. You can add tiny little bits to this form if you're great enough at it. And Moxley, immediately after eating that Saito suplex, just <laughs> slamming the mat right. with his hand, was absolutely incredible. Kyle O'Reilly's like, sort of athleticism to latch onto submissions was incredible. Them smashing each other in the face with forearms where they decided, you know what, it's probably not a good idea to take turns because you might win at this. It was such a great way of putting one another over and the timing of those forearms at the exact same time. This was absolutely beautiful pro wrestling violence. John Moxley is, for me at this point, the runaway 
Pro Wrestler of the Year. You summarised it perfectly on that tweet of yours that I saw this morning with the the UFC homage. Just Bleed guy. Just Bleed. <laughs> I love his face because he's... He, he, you can't hear it. Well, I've never heard it because it's a gif, but it's also like if you go, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, his facial expression. <laughs> Do you know what I thought as well? Because all I thought throughout this show was, and you, you tweeted this as well about this whole thing hanging over the whole show, mm. is <coughs> our concerns from when you first told me about this on Sunday of like, all right, but how do you not present this as Moxley just about fighting a wounded animal, basically, fighting someone who's a... 70% at best. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is a level playing field, just hitting each other as hard as you possibly can. That's, like, one of the many things that's so inspired, I think, about the John Moxley act. Uh, I agree with Cedric. I think he's the rest of the year on, like, loads of objective evidence of these great matches that he's having. But something that I think he wanted to tease out over the course of his AEW run, and we've just reached, like, the apex of that, is that he is, in fact, the complete pro professional wrestler because he has almost as good like a grapple game at this point, if he if he has to deploy it right, he's got one in his locker. But when it comes down to it, he'll counter Kyle O'Reilly by just being the hardest mother in the ring. Like he's, he'll just fight his way out of it. That little finishing sequence, like when he has the sort of like wherewithal to like lock on the bulldog choke and then fire out of it and have the paradigm shift. Like he has absolutely battered you. He has broken you in submission and he's got the killer finisher as well. Like, and the way that, like, this is fake, right? Pro wrestling is fake. And yet there is just nobody realer than John Moxley. And that's not just, like, pandemic emotions anymore. That's, yeah. hap that's happening week on week on week in the ring, in the actual the art of pro wrestling. You watch him on, a um, like, a blood sport, and you get a version of it in his blood, so good in his, blood his blood sport matches. A music that you oh, this year's one yeah. of the best matches of the year. Like unreal oh, stuff, like, man. That's not he's not gonna he's not gonna submit. Okay, fine. I got knees. Like I will kill him with my knees. And it's I there's just there is nothing he can't do. And if anything, I think that element of his game is a little bit underrated. I think by me included, you sometimes feel like you know what you're getting with John Moxley, no matter how many times you've seen it, and you get something more. I've just thought of something before we close. I don't even miss Trunks Mox anymore. No, because I think this version's Ooh. better. Well, it's just, he doesn't need to wear the trunks to be Trunks Mox. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the whole lot, regardless of what he wears. Uh, can we just have the Just Bleed noise once more? Uh. <laughs> 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 right, let us know your thoughts on AW Dynamite on Twitter. At what culture WWE Watch Day. You can follow all three of us, of course. You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Becoming All Elite, still available on Amazon right now. The brilliant book by Sidge written all about AEW. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at what culture WWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Myself and Sidge will be back tomorrow to look ahead to AEW Rampage, of course. But for now, this has been the AEW Dynamite Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 